Hey, and welcome to Full Metal Pod. I am, as always, Jason. And I'm Jimmy. So, how was your weekend, Jimmy? Do anything interesting? My my weekend has been uneventful slash eventful. I've decided that I want to grow a mango tree, so I've been saving my little mango seeds and trying to make them sprout, so that's something I've been doing this weekend. Do mangoes even grow in Texas? Like, I, I am legitimately curious, because I know, like, peaches can grow in Texas, but I don't think oranges can. I'm, and I always, like, I always associate mangoes, like, as tropical fruits, kind of like your oranges and pineapples. I've been obsessed with watching people on YouTube. They've been growing tr- fruit trees in pots, and they say as long as you can grow in a pot, you can control what the tree eats and like how much sun it gets and water. So they said, basically you can grow any fruit tree in a pot in any climate. So I'm hoping my, my mango trees come out. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Fresh mangoes. Oh man, I would actually like that. Like lately I've been cooking at home more, just one, it saves money, but two, it also gives me something to do since I'm on lockdown, like pretty much everybody else. It seems though things are starting to open up. And for a while, like a good month, I was experimenting with different types of like tropical food. So like I would make um, glaze or cream cheese icing, uh, orange cream cheese icing there, and then like a pineapple cake. So it'd be like a tropical kick to the teeth when you bite into it. Oh, that sounds delicious. Now I feel like I want a pineapple cake. Yeah, I mean, it was actually very good, and now I want to cook even more, and I have not tried mangoes yet, but that would be pretty fun. I also want to grow a dragon fruit tree. I don't think they're trees technically, they're like vines, but I've been obsessed with this dragon fruit YouTuber. Uh, I forgot his name, but he, he makes me want to try to grow my own dragon fruit. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen an actual dragon fruit plant. Like, I've, I've gone to some, like, markets in uh, Southeast Asia, like in Vietnam and Cambodia and stuff, where they're selling them on the street, and presumably they're freshly picked, but I've never actually seen the plant that they come off of. Yeah, they're just kind of like vines that are growing out, and then they'll have dragon fruit growing off of them. It's pretty It's pretty amazing. I, I feel like... I can do it. And I did not know that Etsy sold dragon fruit like plants. You can now I feel like you can buy anything off of Etsy. Yeah, I totally believe that as well. It seems like anything that some creative person can come up with you can find on Etsy. Uh I have you ever seen a, a lychee? I always mispronounce it, like lychee, lychee. Have you ever seen one of those in the wild? Like not the not the finished product that you would see in a, a boba tea or something, the white fleshy part, but just the actual picked off of a tree looking one. Okay, now now I'm questioning if I've seen one. Is it in the wild? Are they like red? Like they have a red shell that kind of looks like a sea urchin? Exactly, almost? yes. Yes. Uh, here in Texas, we have a, a store called H-E-B. And every now and then H-E-B will get some lychees in in stock yeah i remember i was in korea back in 2013 and i went to this restaurant i was it was kind of buffet style and they had this bowl of like you described these little red sea urchin type things and i 
couldn't figure out for the life of me what they were until somebody that I was eating with picked one up and you know, cracked it open and it had the little lychee fruit in there. And I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm wondering, should I grow a lychee tree? I feel like you this should. this quarantine has like made me jump from hobby to hobby. Like One day I want to grow fruit trees and the next day I'm like, maybe I can make my own board game. Yeah, I think we're all kind of in that where we're always trying to do different things. I'm always trying to cook weird stuff and every once in a while I'll experiment with maybe I'm going to be a DJ and make some music and just random stuff like that. And this weekend I actually got to go outside between, uh, between the heat and the smoke. Like this past month has pretty much just been indoors every weekend. Uh, So this weekend it's actually nice temperature and blue skies, pretty, pretty clean air, pretty breathable air. So went out, took the dog to the beach and we walked around pretty crowded because I think a lot of people were, in that space where they're like, oh, I really want to go outside now. Oh, man. Oh, California beaches are the best. Yeah, that's one thing I like about living out here. And we're pretty close to a beach. Like, I didn't even have to leave the city to hit up a beach. Whereas living in Austin, you know, you're driving, what, five hours to get to the closest beach? Something like that. Oh, yeah. And it's not even as good. No, you, you could go to, like, Arkansas what is it is I can't remember Gulf Shores is that Alabama or Arkansas anyway you can like go there and there's some decent beaches there but I mean that's even further drive yeah nothing beats like California coast beaches it's just maybe it's the lifestyle but it's just being on that beach feels way different I agree they seem cleaner they a little bit for the most part and they just seem nicer it's almost like a postcard uh, yes, though I've never been to Hawaii. Maybe Hawaii beaches would top that, but for right now, California is the top. I would say, yeah. For me. I would say Hawaii is probably... I have never been to Hawaii either, but everybody I know who's ever been to Hawaii has told me those beaches are just amazing uh, in terms of the United States. Now, granted, you can go to like Bali or something and or Bora Bora and find even better beaches, but we're talking about the states here, so... Yeah, I mean, there, where's there's a country that has like black sand beach. Is that Hawaii, where the the sand is black? Uh, Hawaii. I has would some like to go that. to that one of those beaches. New Zealand has a lot looks. of them too. I have some pictures that I took when I was in New Zealand of the black sand beaches. They're pretty awesome. Oh, you'll have to send them to me. I will. I think we've had fun talking about stuff. Let's jump into the actual podcast and talk about these episodes. Mm-hmm. So let's see, we are looking today at episode 8, The Fifth Laboratory, and episode 9, Created Feelings. And just like we've been saying before, these kind of weave into each other pretty well. Uh, They're a little bit different than the last episodes in the fact that they seem to be really focused on a specific story arc or specific action versus covering a lot of different things. But I think we'll still see that we enjoy them. So let's yes. let's start with the fifth laboratory. So picking up where we left off, Ed is inside of the lab, whereas number 66 attacks Ed on the outside. His name is number 66, or he's given the number 66. He gives us his actual name later as Barry the Chopper. Meanwhile, as Ed's on the inside, he's being attacked by number 48, or the Slicer Brothers. The interesting thing about both of these guys are that they are hollow armor. 
Now, and it's not immediately obvious at first because they just look like guys wearing armor. Like I assume most people think when they see Al, they just assume it's a person who really enjoys wearing armor everywhere. But as Ed's fighting number 48, he realizes that he's hollow inside based on the noise that he makes when he hits him. And the same thing essentially happens with Al. Now, both of these guys are former mass murderers. I guess they're still technically mass murderers since they're not dead and they are still killing. They were prisoners and the world largely believes that they have been executed. And so instead of being executed as part of an alchemic experiment, they were attached or their souls were bonded to armor similar to how Al's was. And they were given the duty of guarding the fifth laboratory. So basically, there's the military said, hey, you're still alive. We can uh, let you remain alive, but you have to essentially be guard forever. But at the same time, hey, you get to murder. So kind of works out for them, I guess, in a really bizarre way. Uh, so the number 48 is attacking Ed on the inside. Ed's kind of struggling because number 48 is actually a pretty good fighter and really good with his sword. Ed is able to actually successfully trick number 48 by saying, Al, now! And so number 48 turns around just thinking that Al's behind him, but nobody's behind him, and Ed runs up and takes his head away because Ed uh, earlier, number 48 reveals that he has the uh, blood seal on the inside of his helmet. Ed assumes that this is it, this is done, until he realizes that the body comes behind him and attacks. As I mentioned earlier, the serial killers are named the Slicer Brothers. There's two of them. So another brother's soul is actually attached to the body of the armor, whereas one is attached to the head of the armor. So the body continues to attack and nearly ends Ed's life. Ed, in a desperate attempt, he is reminded of Scar attacking him right as number 48 is about to deliver the final blow. And Ed is able to attack, hit him in the stomach or where the stomach would be and destroy the armor, breaking it in half. And at this point, the armor's helpless. So Ed has won, but he has lost a lot of blood in the process, but he has won. The brothers ask that Ed kills them and finishes them off. Ed says he won't do that because regardless of them being a suit of armor, he still sees them as human beings and he, res he refuses to take a human life. He says if he doesn't see them as humans, and that means his brother is not a human because his brother is a suit of armor. Number 48 just kind of laughs because he says, oh, this is the first time in our life that we've ever been treated like a human before. And so he gives him a parting gift saying, hey, we'll, uh, I'll tell you everything you want to know about the what's this facility is for, the creation of the Philosopher's Stone, who ordered them to take care of things or to guard the place. And right out of nowhere, we see... Lust, the homunculi from earlier, attack and destroy the blood seal on the helmet, so silencing them. Envy shows up as well and starts stabbing 
the other brother, or his the upper torso, on its blood seal, breaking it and effectively killing that brother. They were, one, trying to protect whatever information they had, but then, two, they also mentioned that they were mad that 48 was attacking one of their sacrifices. That term sacrifice comes up again. They blow up the building and take it out after knocking him out. Now, while all this is going on, we have Alphonse fighting Barry the Chopper or number 66 on the outside. Number 66 is, I guess, a decent fighter, but he is not able to hold his own against Al all that well. So he tries to do some uh, psychological attack. So he first tries to scare Al by saying, hey, I am the notorious serial killer, Barry the Chopper. Everybody thought I was dead, but I'm really still alive. I killed 23 people in Central City. But Ed is pretty, or I'm sorry, Al is pretty unimpressed because he says, hey, I'm from a small town. I've never even heard of you. Then he tries to scare him by showing, well, I'm a hollow armor. And Al's like, yeah, so am I. And so that doesn't work. So he tries a new tactic and he tries to convince Al that he is not real that he never really existed, that all of his memories of growing up with his brother and Winry and everything else were all just fabricated and that he is nothing more than a puppet. So this really gets into Al's mind and kind of knocks him off guard. But out of nowhere, Armstrong's associates, Maria and Denny, show up and are able to save Al at the last minute. Well, while they're outside, facility blows up. Envy brings uh, uh, Ed out and says you should take him to a hospital. And Barry the Chopper runs away. We don't actually see what happens to him. And so that takes us to, I believe, that's the end of the episode. Yep. So and then there's a little, uh, I guess, post credit scene, if you will, where Maze Hughes and... Mustang are talking, and Mays mentions that Mustang seems to be moving up the ladder because he's getting a promotion that will result in him transferring to Central City and that he needs to watch his back because the only way somebody like him moves up so fast is by making enemies, so he needs to make allies. So it's kind of setting the stage that big things are about to happen. So, JB, what do you think about the episode? I liked this episode a lot. It was an action-packed one, and it still had some humor in it with uh, the butcher, Barry the Butcher and Al. I love that scene where he, he removes his home and is like, I'm hollow inside. Archie's so scared of me. Then Al does the same thing, and then Barry is the one who freaks out, being like, how can you be so? How can you be hollow on the inside? That's insane. That was a great moment i i I laughed yeah it is kind of funny and it's also the way they talk the way number 48 number 66 talk it sounds like they know each other so the idea of him running into a hollow armor shouldn't be that weird in fact he also mentions oh you were a death row inmate too and i was like no i was never a death row inmate so makes you wonder how many of these people exist or how many uh, is this a common thing? And that actually was an interesting thing I was thinking about with this episode was like, is this a commonly known 
tactic to attach somebody's soul to a piece of armor. So we've seen it happen with Al and Ed did that. And I always just kind of chalked it up as to a combination of like a last ditch effort because Ed needed to find a way to bring his brother back. But then I also kind of assumed that by him going through the gate, he learned that tactic. But then it's like, well, how do these people know it? And I'm think, you know, one part of me wants to think, well, this was just a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This was maybe an alchemic experiment and they, you know, these are death row inmates and these are people that they've used to create philosopher's stones and other things. So who knows what other kind of experiments the military's been doing with these guys. And perhaps one of them was, hey, can we rip out their soul and attach it to something else? And I don't know, maybe who knows how many other people they tried that too and they have failed. But then these were like maybe the two that succeeded. Well, the one Ed is fighting, um, what's his name? Uh, yeah. I guess Slicer, the Slicer brothers. They're, I guess the head refers to him as, refers to himself as number 48. And Al's fighting Barry the Butcher, who refers to himself as number 66. So I'm thinking like maybe one through 47 failed attempts, but then 48 and 66... Like, are they, they're successful. Is there more armor out there that we don't know about? Or are the others just failed, more failed attempts? Yeah, probably. I mean, I imagine if there were more, we'll probably see more. Or maybe these were the only two successful ones that they ever had. So, I, I, I find it interesting. Or, or do you think... Because they, they do say it's their number on death row that maybe they saw that these three people were so savage and they, they could use them for, in a sense, as defense for this base that they're like, we bond them to armor, but everyone else gets turned into philosopher stones. I, I'm not sure exactly how philosopher stones work. I just know that it takes human yeah we do see that that uh what's it called that transmutation circle at the beginning when he walks in and he notices it and he's like oh uh this is a weird transmutation circle this must be what they're using to create philosopher's stone but yeah they never really explain oh well this is what the transmutation circle does or oh i understand how this works it's just he's i think he kind of identified that it was a bizarre one but then he also knew kind of going in that he was probably going to find something related to the philosopher's stone so he probably just put two and two together but yeah i do wonder what happens there like are these guys what other experiments are happening yeah we know that these guys are metal we also know that you know chimeras we know that they exist with uh the earlier episode uh the uh with uh oh gosh shao tucker like uh, it's safe to assume that they probably took his research and they maybe did stuff with it. It seems like this government is not above using criminals for their experiments. So it is interesting and it would be interesting to see what other experiments or what other types of people exist in the world. I do wonder if it's like the, I don't know how to say it, like the country or the state, because they're state alchemists, are they performing these experiments? Because 
towards the end of the episode, we do see Lust and Envy come out, and it's like, does does Lust and Envy have their hands deep inside the State Alchemist thing that they're actually running this base? Yeah, I mean, they absolutely are. I don't know if they're running the base, but they are absolutely in charge of, or they work directly for whoever it is that's planning everything. Like, granted, there's, like, watching the show, it's clear that there is some hierarchy and there's somebody at the top. We don't know who yet, but there's somebody or maybe a council who is really running the show. And it's like Lust and Envy are their foot soldiers who kind of make sure everything goes according to plan. Like, they brought up Sacrifice again. They came out of their way to protect Ed, but also to silence uh, number 48. And so, yeah, there's there's definitely something bigger going on. Did you cringe when uh, Envy was, like, stabbing number 48's brother's? seal it almost felt like torturing a, a human like as ed said you are humans even though your souls are bound to this this uh pseudo armor when envy was kind of poking at the blood seal i in my body i was like oh it feels like she's torturing a human being yeah because like the first few times he stabs him like his you can see his arms the the armor of the arms or the arms armor just like flailing and stuff. So it's reacting. It takes a few stabs before I guess they break the seal and the soul leaves the armor. So yeah, that was definitely cringy or like painful looking. Yeah. I just, I do. And then that brings us to like when Barry, the butcher questions or makes out question his existence. Cause that scene like coincides with, the same scene where Ed is saying that you guys are real, even though you're armor. And then Al on the other hand is like, am I a real boy or am I just made up? And when I saw that, like I, I don't even know that that Barry the chopper even had like an actual agenda other than the fact that he was losing. And so he was trying to knock Al off of his game and get into his head. And like the first few attempts that he threw out there didn't work. So what he said, oh, I'm this great serial killer and you should be afraid of me. And I was like, I have no idea who you are. And oh, look at me, I'm a monster. I'm a, I'm just this suit of armor. And I was like, yeah, big deal. So am I. So I think he's just thinking, okay, well, let me try the next thing to get into his head and just throw out the whole, well, you're not real. You're just, are you sure that you're real? How do you know you're not just a puppet? I Watching that scene, a part of me questioned it as well. Like, is Al real or maybe he is a puppet because I don't know if you've been trapped in a suit of armor for so long, maybe you do forget what it's like to be a real person. That's kind of what they're implying. And it is kind of sad to like, just to see the existential crisis Al gets into as a result. One thing like, so earlier we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, when we started recording, we talked about how I like brotherhood more than the original 2003 anime. One thing I'll give the 2003 anime credit for is I think they did bury the chopper better in the original anime. They definitely made him seem more threatening and he nearly kills, uh, spoiler, nearly kills Winry and Ed. And yeah, I mean, I, 
I kind of felt like he was a more of a comic relief character in Brotherhood. I mean, maybe he's going to come back. We don't know. He's like out there. That's true. He is still out there. So maybe he'll come back. He was pretty funny and pretty good. And just this idea of these beings existing created by like evil alchemy or like uh, or uncommon alchemy, unholy alchemy, whatever you want to call it, that most people don't know about just is fascinating because it kind of shows how deep the, you know, how deep the rabbit hole goes. I also think he makes like one of the best kind of villains out there is like a villain whose only motive is to kill people. He doesn't really have any agenda. He just enjoys being evil. And I think that makes him most threatening of, of the foes that they they encounter. Because usually people who are just evil for the sake of being evil, you can't really rationalize with them. They just, you know, they, 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 they're doing it because they enjoy it. So you have to find another way to stop them. Yeah. So actually this goes right into the next episode, which is convenient. Uh, so it picks up right where we left off. Next episode's called created, created feelings episode nine. So, First, we kind of see a little bit of what happened in the past episode that kind of bring us up and everything. Ed's now in the hospital recovering from the fight. He is complaining about, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't have time to recover. I can't be sitting here recovering. I got to solve this problem. We got to solve this. And I got to figure out what this lab was about and who those guys were and what they were all about. And so then uh, Denny and Maria smack him saying, Hey, you don't have to solve everything on your own. We are here to help you. Not all adults are bad. We can help. You should rely on other people. You know, he kind of comes to his senses, but then they're kind of worried because they, they slapped an alchemist. And we learned that in the military, the alchemy, alchemists are essentially similar to what a major is in rank. So technically, Ed outranks them. But Ed was just like, no, nah, that's fine. Like, I needed a smack. Ed calls... Uh, Winry because his armor isn't functioning properly. His uh, his arm isn't fun- functioning properly. It took some damage. Well, it's not so much that it was the damage that caused the problem, though it certainly didn't help, but what was the bigger problem was that Winry forgot to put a screw in when she was building his armor. Ed doesn't know this or doesn't realize this, and Winry agrees to come over to take care of it and fix it for her, but she's feeling really guilty because she thinks, oh, well, this is my fault. She then comes to realize that Ed has no idea what just happened, and he just thinks that, oh, I was being careless and fighting hard and stuff, and I broke the armor. So Winry's a little bit relieved by no- in knowing that, oh, well, he doesn't he doesn't realize that I made a mistake. It was just, uh, he thinks it was all him. So, the, you know, when we have this nice little thing where Winry goes, takes the armor and fixes it, and... Uh, Maze Hughes has Winry come over to his house to stay while she's doing the repairs. They have a, a what, two, three-year-old, or third, uh, their kid, Alicia's having a, I think, third birthday party, so she's kind of helping, and really this this whole domestic thing, which is nice, and Winry gets to know the family and gets to know the girl and everything. Uh, while all this is happening, Al's just kind of moping, if you will. He is starting to wonder... 
is he real or is he just uh are, are all of his memories fabricated were they all made up is he a real was he ever a real human being or was he always just this armor he starts to remember ed saying there's something i have to ask you but he never asks it so he's thinking is that what ed's secret was is that what ed's secret was is ed wanting to tell me that i'm actually not real and i'm this boy and stuff so at some point al just blows up at ed during this episode and questions his reality ed doesn't really get angry so to speak he he gets angry but it's that kind of calm angry where he says you know fine and he just walks out rather than blowing up at it at al winry just starts to cry she reminds al that they are brothers that al is real but then he winry also points out that what ed wanted to ask him or tell him wasn't that al was fake uh, ed wanted to know if al blamed him for what happened to him because ed's carrying all this guilt over uh, al losing his body so he he kind of feels like it's he's responsible for it he let it happen al now feels bad so he goes to find ed ed and al decide to spar well, more like Ed spars Al, and Al kind of goes on the defense, but is not really able to defend himself all that well. So um, Ed finally wins the first time. Then the boys just start to reminisce on their life, uh, how they used to always spar and stuff. So that kind of reiterates that, well, no, their memories aren't fake. They are actually you know, remembering stuff like his. they actually had a past together and stuff. The problems are pretty much resolved, and Winry heads back to Risenbull. Now, what happens next is we see Scar. At first, it looks like he's in a flashback, and the big giveaway to that is that he doesn't have a Scar at this point in time. Uh, he's looking for his family in what looks like a destroyed, gosh, like ruins, ruins in a desert. Presumably, it's his city during the genocide. He runs to a state alchemist who attacks him, and then he, we see him like jarred, uh, jet up, like you know, he just darts right up. So this is obviously like a dream flashback or something. Turns out he is in a slum outside of East City where a bunch of his Valens live. They found him in the sewers, and they are now healing him. Uh, they mention that there are many Valens living in the slums and just you know trying their best to make it. We then see this tattoo on Scar's arm, and he mentions it was a gift from his brother, and the episode ends there. So what were your initial thoughts? I know you love a Winry episode, but I love a Hughes episode. And this is, the I feel like, the most we've gotten of Hughes ever, or so far. And I loved every minute of it. I agree. Hughes is a good character. I like Winry too, but Hughes, I, I will give you that. Hughes is absolutely a great character. He is, he he just, he adds a lot because he's, he, he can be serious sometimes, but then he can also be super funny and just the way he loves his daughter and loves his family and everything is, it's kind of refreshing. I love the part where Winry is like, I guess I need to find a place to stay. And he invites her to stay with him and his family and doesn't tell her that it's his daughter's third birthday. Cause I love this scene. I remember that cause Winry asks his daughter how old she is. And she says, 
I'm two and now I'm three. And I, I, I laughed at their reaction because they Hughes and Winry had this reaction of like, as the most adorable thing in the world, which it is. Yeah. She's gosh. She is just so, so cute. It's, it's really nice to have this episode where they're not fighting anybody or anything. It's, I, I don't know. Like, Obviously, I like my action-packed anime, and sometimes you don't want to have an episode that just feels like filler. Like, oh, well, the studio ordered X amount of episodes, but we've been making them too fast, so let's just create a filler episode to fill in the space. Like, I feel like a lot of actual building happened, like some world building. So, you know, we the biggest one's obviously happening between Ed and Al, because for the most part, up to this point... They've kind of been on the same page and have been the same person. Whatnot. Now, this is like the first time we've ever seen any actual conflict over the past or over what happened to them take place. So I kind of like that level of development that has happened. It makes it feel more real because so far it's just like, oh, these two brothers went through a trauma and now they're just kind of trying to figure out how to undo it. But yeah, the, the, there has to be like some resentment or... Al's presumably been in that armor body for two, three years or something since uh, since the incident. At some point, like, he doesn't eat, he doesn't feel, he doesn't sleep. At some point, it's got a weigh on him, you know, that he isn't exactly human anymore. Like, he has a human soul, but he's his body is far from it. And in this episode, we meet Ed's true nemesis, which is milk yes ed hates drinking milk and i love i i love it he he stares down milk like it is the final boss in a final fantasy video game he's like i will defeat you milk you will never enter my body he it, it comes up a lot in the season or in the series but i do like that we do have that whole motif of Oh, yeah, we are... I I hate milk. Milk is terrible. It's going to make you grow. Oh, no, milk is awful. I don't want to drink it at all. I I love... It's great. Yeah, it's great. I just enjoy those moments where it's like... The world... There's so many bigger problems in the world, but then, like, still, this is... This is like... He's like, not this. I'll accept something else, but not this. I, I, it's just so funny to watch all of that because they're just, uh, and I enjoy the milk. And I love like an old fashioned milk jug drawing. Like their milk comes in what I imagine milk got delivered in back in the day. And I like, I like that a lot. I, this episode was great, even though I guess some, many people would consider this a filler episode. I just felt like, it went by so fast. I was I started the episode and then when it ended, I was like, man, that felt like it was only five minutes long. It went by so fast because I enjoyed every second of it. A lot of comic relief was going on. Yep. Yes. And I guess you're, you know, to an extent, yeah, it's a filler episode because it doesn't do much to drive forward the story but i did like the fact that we did get to get a lot of the characters we did get to we did get to experience a lot of what makes them human uh they're not just 
genius alchemist fighters or anything like we actually get to see some of the human part and yeah the humor was definitely grew too with the we get to see Maze Hughes with his daughter and that lovey dovey thing then we get to see more about Winry and uh and Ed's relationship how they kind of have this almost playful we've known each other since we were children so we just joke around with each other all the time but we also beat up on each other but in a playful way and then the milk and then of course we have Ad and uh Ad and L, uh, Ed and Al kind of having this tension but then they they kind of break it up by fighting and then reminiscing but then we also have that part with Scar towards the very end which I think actually does kind of world build a little bit because we see the tattoo on his arm and you know they show us this tattoo so it must have some significance and you know, the only other time we see tattoos in the series so far anyway are when people have full um uh, transmutation circles tattooed on them or written on them or something like that so you know kind of raises the question is that is that what he is using to do these this pseudo alchemy that he's been doing definitely makes me want to know more about scar i i i hope we get a full i i'll miss seeing the brothers for an episode but i do want like a full backstory on scar like give me more detail he he can't just be doing this for revenge i feel like there's more to that than than what we know i think he is a deeper person it's their the conversation they had earlier or not earlier but the conversation they had in this episode with the other fallen's in the slum you know he made the the uh, older fallen makes a comment of you know this isn't like our homeland but any place where we worship Ishval, uh, their god, or Ishvala, their god, is home. And, you know, Scar agrees with him, kind of like an amen brother type of thing. And Scar's mentioning in the other episodes about them taking away God's power and stuff. Like, he's definitely a pious guy. But then at the same time, he's going around and killing people. And we learn about this genocide that takes place. So my guess is he is an incredibly complicated person. On that, I also want to bring up. I, I don't. I, I don't want to keep talking about Hughes because he is my favorite character. But that scene where Hughes and Winry are talking, and she's like, "I just don't know. I just don't understand what's going on with Ed and Al. They're just complicated, or they just won't tell me what what's wrong." And Hughes says to her that men like to show things through their actions because they don't want to burden anyone with the their pain if they can help it. And it makes me think, is is that what Hughes is doing? Because a majority of the time we see Hughes, he is so joyful and playful. And is he hiding this like pain and burden that we don't know of? Yeah, that's actually a good point. We haven't seen anything yet. He's obviously a little serious because we see him have some of those more serious conversations. But yeah, it's we don't really... We don't really get to see much of his serious side, but that is a really good point because he does bring that up. He brings up that whole men, you know, they show their feeling by their actions because they want to hide it uh, from other people, what they're actually feeling. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious if that will pop up a little later. I mean, I would not mind a full Hughes episode. 
Like if we can get a full use episode, I'll take it. I would too. He is he is an underrated character, and you know he is. Gosh, he's like everything. He's almost like what's his face? He's um oh um I'm just drawing a blank on it. He's uh, he's like Mustang's conscious in a lot of ways too. That yeah, I could see because he pops in and out to give Mustang this like little nugget of advice, and usually Mustang doesn't take it, but. It's there. It's on his shoulder. He's always giving Mustang calls. Like he called him in the beginning of last episode, I believe, to kind of give him, kind of give him the heads up about what's going on. And I, I, I do, I enjoy that about Hughes. That Hughes reminds me is like a very selfless character. He cares about his family a lot, his wife and daughter. He cares about the boys. He cares about Mustang. It seems like Hughes always has other people in front of himself which i enjoy in in a character i agree i do like uh selfless people the that's just they kind of they're just more in depth there's more depth to them and that's what i really have always liked about hughes as a character he's just always he's he's always there for a good laugh but he's always there for us everybody's moral lead and kind of their uh their their sounding board too because he get he seems to give a lot of advice to people. Yeah, I, I definitely I I like that character. That character is one of my favorites so far. I I agree. He is great, and hopefully we'll see even more of him in the upcoming episodes. I think we are good with this one. Any last thoughts you want to give to our listening audience? No, I'm just I'm excited. To see where they go next. Yeah, well, now they're all healed up and we're past the uh, fluff episode. Maybe we can see some more interesting things. All right. Well, I think this is it. We thank you for listening. As always, you can find us on any podcast medium. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Reddit. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care. Bye.